Good morning again, Grace. Praise Jesus, and uh, we rejoice to be here with you. Uh, Lord, indeed, open our hearts, open our minds, help us to hear you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Observers of the evangelical culture have long lamented the sissification of Jesus. We collectively have turned Jesus into a girly man and to our great loss. Jesus is more often pictured as meek and mild as opposed to the man who was consumed with the glory of God and chased grown men out of the temple. Hundreds of grown men. Jesus is often described as a buddy we would take to a barbecue rather than the warrior king holding the sword of justice. This explains why, for example, we are so anemic in our prayers. We are lazy in our evangelism. Why there is so little difference between us and the world. And it explains why we actually do so little about the injustices in our country. A milk toast hippie with beautiful hair and soft skin will not change the world. Jesus is no snowflake. A more accurate view of Jesus would include him being the unsafe lion, Aslan. And my friends, nowhere is this unrealistic view of Jesus more evident than in the confusion about one of the most important phrases in the Bible, the fear of the Lord. This phrase puzzled me for years, and I would ask everybody I could, what does the fear of the Lord mean? And I would almost always get the answer, oh, it means to respect God. Or worse, I would get, it means to reverence God. Seriously, what does that mean? I'm not sure. Now, listen, respect is an important word, and it's quite appropriate. So is reverence, by the way. But when was the last time you thought to yourself, oh, I reverence that guy over there? And whatever it means to respect with regards to teachers, with regards to police officers, and even to parents, whatever that word respect means, it must be a far mark shy of what it would mean to regard the personal creator God of the universe who will demand and get an answer from everyone. Jesus says, I tell you that on the day of the judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Paul continues, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow on earth and in heaven. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Live for an audience of one. 
To fear the Lord is to live your life in such a way that God and not anything or even everything else is more important in your daily decision making. The reality that you and I will bow our knees before the King must be in front of us. Again, Jesus If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus does not mean don't love your family. Instead, your love for and attention to God will make your natural love for and attention that you give to your family look like hate. In comparison, let that sink in for a moment. Your love for and attention to God will make the natural love and attention that you give to your family look like hate in comparison. Which brings us to our passage today. Now, if Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 do not judge lest ye be judged, is the world's favorite verse to misquote. The passage, the verse we start with today is the one hated by our culture the most. Here we go. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Live for an audience of one. Now, first of all, let's begin by describing what the fear of the Lord does not mean. The fear of the Lord is not being scared or timid. People are scared of things that are mean or arbitrary or unknown. God is not mean like a vicious dog. God is not arbitrary like suicide bombers in a market. God is not unknown. It gives God great pleasure to make himself known to all his children because as we know him better, we will therefore love him and trust him and fear him more. The fear of the Lord is more like the fear of uranium. Uranium is not mean. It won't jump out and bite you. Uranium is not arbitrary. It always acts in the same way. Uranium is not unknown. God has given scientists much knowledge about uranium and nuclear energy as a whole. But if you find yourself in a wrong relationship to uranium, you will ruin your day. If you find yourself in a wrong relationship to the Lord you will ruin your eternity. I was told a story by a former nuclear engineer who quit that and became a seminary student with me. And he told me that in the early days 
of nuclear power plants at one particular power plant in Korea, what they would do is they would take the spent fuel rods that were in the reactor and they would come out and they were in a pool. And the, the top of the uranium fuel rods were about 15 to 20 feet below the surface of the water and they would wear suits like this guy and they were perfectly safe. But what they had to do is they had these long one-inch square tubes and with these tubes, kind of like pool cleaners use, they would take and move these spent fuel rods around. In this particular instance, nobody had drilled holes in the tube and the tube had not filled with water. And when the man moved the rod to reposition it, there was absolutely nothing but air between him and that uranium. And he panned it in front of his head and had a lethal dose of your radiation. He died. He put himself into a wrong relationship to that uranium-spent fuel. Like a Geiger counter, God has given us a warning system, an imperfect warning system, but a warning system. It's our conscience. So that when we put ourselves into a wrong relationship to the Lord, we are warned. Because even though uranium will take us out of this life, Sin will take us out of all life. Jesus put it like this. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing the body, has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I say, fear him. Again, whatever Respect means, and it is a good word, respect seems to miss the mark of what, it, what our relationship to uranium should be. How much more so the God of the universe who's calling us to him. Who is more dangerous than uranium? Who can throw you into hell? Not Satan. God himself. Because Jesus, after all, is not a tame lion. So, let's look, first of all, at that part of our passage today that ties all the various commands that we find in our passage together. Here, we see how Paul describes living in the fear of the Lord with regards to those Jesus puts near us. I'm going to start in verse 22. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Obey in everything, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Christian, brothers, sisters, whoever it is that you are serving at this moment, husband, wife, boss, co-worker, you are not serving that person primarily. You are serving your Lord who will repay you for your attitudes and actions for good or for bad. 
Whomever you are, Christian, as you come to this passage, red, yellow, black, white, rich, poor, even if you're a Patriots fan, although if you're a Patriots fan, you're probably not a Christian, (laughs) repent. Your primary audience, Christian, is not your friends and your family. Live for an audience of one. Because it is Him you must please. Now, all the time, all the time, I hear people complaining about, oh, the Bible is so hard to understand. And hey, I admit, there are several passages in the Bible that I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that. But let's be honest. All the important ones, all the ones that have to do with how you and I are actually supposed to live, they are crystal clear. We don't have to guess. And Paul makes sure he understands what he means by the fear of the Lord. He he explains it. We serve our earthly masters, not with eye service. Whose eyes are you trying to please? Whose eyes are always looking at you? Your boss may not see you while you're on your business trip, but God does. Are you doing your work as if your boss is standing right behind you? Don't live to please people, Paul says. People are fickle. But my friends, God is the most easily pleased person in the universe. All you have to do is go to Him and say, please. With sincerity of heart, You and I are to live in such a way that there is no makeup. There is no sanitizing of the truth of who you are so other people will approve of you. Again, people are fickle. If you are a Christian, your God already knows your faults and He loves you anyways. If you have not yet trusted the promises of God for you in Christ, then putting on some eyeliner and lipstick won't make you stand out anymore to the sovereign judge jury, and executioner at all. Paul says, fearing the Lord. Now, you may have already gotten the idea that I hate it when people soft-pedal the idea of what fearing the Lord is. And there's a specific word that's used to translate in both the Greek and the Hebrew in this phrase. Do you know what it means? Be afraid. Be very afraid. The word in the Greek is phobos, fear. And this week, for some reason, I saw several memes that show us exactly what phobos means with regards to spiders. This was the funny one. I just almost fell out of my chair laughing. It was great. (laughs) Now you know. Fear means fear. Paul continues, work heartily, do your job. Pastors have been saying for years, work like everything depends on you, pray like everything depends on God. And then, just to make sure that we know that God is serious, Paul does what all of the Old Testament prophets do, and he lists some 
blessings and cursings. He says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no impartiality. Paul commands you to fear the Lord with regards to your various relationships with those who are nearest you because the promises of the Lord for you in Christ are both positive and they are negative. You will be blessed if you trust Him. You will live a cursed life if you distrust Him. You will be blessed or cursed Simply because this is how the universe works. If you put yourself into a right relationship with water, you will not thirst. If you put yourself into a wrong relationship with the Sahara Desert, you will die. Therefore, live for an audience of one. Now I need to pause for a moment. I need to clarify something with a particular passage in the Bible. And many of you may have already had this pop in your mind as we've been talking. So let's go ahead and jump to 1 John 4, 15-18. Jesus' best friend, the one whom Jesus loved and the one who loved Jesus, this is what he wrote. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have the confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So, Pastor Greg, looks like you just undid your sermon. Isn't the fear of the Lord something only Old Testament saints should do? Doesn't love, which by the way is usually interpreted as having nice feelings for somebody. Doesn't love make fear unnecessary or even wrong? Well, two quick comments. If the fear of the Lord is something that only Old Testament saints must do, then the, Old, the New Testament doesn't know it. Because their fear of the Lord spoken about a Christian is mentioned at least 15 times in the New Testament. If the fear of the Lord is unnecessary, then it sure seems like the Bible wastes a lot of space defining and commanding it, including Psalm 15. Nevertheless, we must deal with this passage. So how does perfect love drive out fear if we are commanded and expected to fear the Lord? I'm glad you asked. Great question. Perfect love casts out fear. That's a fact. And I assume that it means, among other things, that when we are fully redeemed in heaven, when we are glorified in heaven, we will no longer fear the Lord in the same sense as we are commanded to from beginning to end of Scripture. So then what does it mean for us now? What about right now, today? At the moment, we are not yet fully redeemed, and we still remain with our sin natures. And these sin natures very often lead us Pied Piper-like into sin. And we love. 
and to the degree that we are honestly willing to sacrifice for the good of those that Jesus puts near us, to that extent, we don't need to fear. To fear, in that sense, would be to distrust the promises of God for us in Christ. But instead, the fear of the Lord is to fear not loving God and to fear not loving those Jesus puts near us. It is to be afraid of what it would mean not to love. More than what it would mean to be afraid of whatever sacrifices will be involved with me loving the people Jesus puts near me. To put it simply, the fear of the Lord is being more afraid of living contrary to what He tells us we need to live as opposed to fearing whatever consequences it will cost us because we love Jesus more than we love whatever shiny thing is in front of us. So by all means, love. Love banishes fear. Love turns that fear into motivation to sacrificially benefit those nearest you. In fact, what we find is that love is the fulfillment of the commandments of God positively, while the fear of the Lord is the fulfillment of all the commandments negatively speaking. And... Praise Jesus. We will not always fear. We love. We serve. We worship. We praise Jesus. And we do these things focused on Jesus. Being more concerned about what He thinks than anything and everything else around us. The one who came to take away our fears. The one who consumes all that would threaten us. Surely that one deserves and demands all of our attention. That is what it means to live for an audience of one. That is what it means to fear the Lord. So, what began as fear should remain so in this life because we continue to sin. And we continue to mature and grow until one day, oh Lord Jesus, come quickly. One sweet day, fear will be completely dissolved. That same John, the one is specifically spoken of as having loved Jesus and specifically spoken of as Jesus having loved him, He saw a vision of Jesus when he was on Patmos that made him fall over as though dead. Let's take a peek at that vision. Jesus was like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. And his feet were bronze, glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. You will never have a right idea of Jesus as long as you think that he looks like some Anglo 30-something girly man. You are always standing before the man whose eyes are like blazing fires. To fear the Lord then means 
that no matter what else in life you face, the most important thing, the all-consuming vision is the Lord Jesus Himself. When your boss makes unreasonable demands, do you fear economic ruin? Or do you fear not trusting the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? When cancer strikes, do you fear the wildly reproducing cells? Or do you fear not trusting the one who created those cells? When the future seems out of your hands, which, by the way, here's a secret, it's always out of your hands. When the future seems out of your hands, do you fear not living in some nebulous angst? Or do you fear not trusting the Lord who holds the future? We have nothing to fear when our eyes are on Him. We have everything to fear when they are not. That's what it means to fear the Lord and to live for an audience of one. And now, we can safely understand one verse that's tucked away in the Psalms. Here is the heart of what I want you to capture this morning. Here is the heart of what I want you to understand so that we will understand when we finally get to our passage in a minute. Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O King, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you may be feared. Live for an audience of one. Our awe of and love for Jesus is intimately tied to our experience of forgiveness. We only recognize a need for that forgiveness when we fear. When we recognize that more than anything and everything else... My sins dishonor the Almighty King of the universe. And the psalmist here makes clear something that every single one of us knows in our hearts. We have sinned enough to deserve nothing but the bottom pit of hell. And if left here, in this deserving situation, well, we might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we shall die. Left there... There is no reason to fight our temptations for joy through obedience to His promises because there is no hope. But there is forgiveness that is offered to anyone. All they have to do is ask for it. Because the Lord does not count our sins against us, because we can find true peace then we will long to trust Him more. We will long to make the commandments true for us because we will see in them a reflection of the life that is beautiful and is the one that we've always wanted even if we didn't understand that. We will fear disobeying God's commands. We will fear being on the wrong side of His Story. We will fear being in a wrong relationship to Him with our attitudes and actions because we will know that when these things are true of us, to that extent, our heart is not right with the Lord. And we have chosen for that moment to be lost and dying in the Sahara Desert. 
Living in light of eternity, living with a proper fear of the Lord is not simply some pie-in-the-sky hope, some you know, good psychology. Fearing the Lord puts this life into perspective with what will happen on the last day for all of us. And it will give us the security we need to have hope. That strength of soul that will give us what we need to fight the daily battles you and I face. Now, with that introduction, let's look at our passage. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Well, here it is. Wives, live in such a way that your husband knows that you value standing right before God more than you value standing right before him. Husbands, love your wives in such a way that your wife knows that you value standing right before God more than you value standing right before her. Children, Live in such a way that your parents know that you value standing right before God more than you value standing right before them. Fathers, live in such a way that your children know that you value standing right before God even more than you value standing right before them. Employees, live in such a way that your bosses know that you value standing right before God even more than you value a paycheck. Masters, Live in such a way that your employees know that you value standing right before God than you value the bottom line. Live for an audience of one. That girly man image so popular among evangelicals is not able to provide the hope that you need. It's not able to provide something strong, a foundation on which to stand in the difficult days that we live in. The only God who can help you when you are sinning and long to stop. The only God who can help you when you are suffering and long for peace. The only God who can help you when you are dying. The only God who can help you is the Christ who holds all things in His hands and will judge the universe with blazing eyes and the sword of justice. Therefore, live for an audience of one.